Welcome to the Once in Future Authors Podcast. I'm Stephanie, and I'm so excited to be joined by author Molly Sargent today. Molly is the author of Sane Response, From Sorrow to Self-Discovery. And I think you're just going to absolutely adore meeting Molly and learning about Sane Response. But first, our author writes, have you or a loved one ever struggled to navigate a major life disruption or loss? Divorce, job loss, health crisis, the passing of a loved one. These life experiences can overwhelm us and leave us feeling lost and alone. Sane Response reveals the arc of recovery that the author, Molly Sargent, traveled in the wake of her divorce. Mined from decades of highly personal journals, this intimate collection of poems gives voice to Molly's inner process, moving from feeling pain to feeling sane. More than just a book of poems, Sane Response serves as a companion and a journal for women and men like you going through substantial disruption in their lives. When facing upending change, you will find solace and support in Molly's words, as well as empowering inspiration for embracing a healing path to recovery. So please welcome with me, author Molly Sargent. Thank you. Thank you for joining me so much. I feel like I've been so much part of this journey, although I never met the husband. <laughs> No, he's, he's lovely. He's a lovely human being. <laughs> that's happy news that I can say that. <laughs> yeah, it, it's happy news. And that's always the first thing is, he, did he read the book? <laughs> well, actually, a couple of people have asked me that question. Uh, he, I sent him a copy. We did. We had the fun of, of sending out some pre-print pre copies so that we would, to friends and family mostly. And uh, of course, I would include um, uh, my husband. He, he, you know, he's a major part of my life. And and the father of my children. And we, we have the good fortune, um, really, uh, Stephanie, we have the good fortune that um, my commitment coming through a divorce was to make sure that the relationship was intact. And that's a lot of what this is about, that that disruption, no matter what it is, and you, you read the back cover, which I'm grateful for, thank you. Uh, the, the back cover describes lots of different kind of disruptions to the status quo. We think we're headed in a direction Someone said to me the other day, I do a lot in A Course in Miracles, which is a beautiful program, and I'm studying that right now. And someone said to me, well, where you think you're going, you might not be going there anymore. <laughs> and that idea that our lives are so planned out and then all of a sudden, and, and we, we we put it all together, the big house, the you know, the two kids, the the cute fluffy dog, the picket fence, the, the right neighborhood, the beautiful friends, and then things interrupt. Illnesses come in, relationship disruptions come in. And when that happens, my, one of my phrases is bitter or better. Um, either that is something that we take into our, into our consciousness, into our hearts, into our minds and go, wow, this is happening to me. Or we take it in and we pivot and we go, how is this happening for me? How might this be a gift? How is this something that I'm going to have turn my life around into something that I truly want next? So that's that's what the book's about. <laughs> I love that. And, and yes, I love I love the way you describe it on the back cover, which is why I wanted to share it with our listeners who are probably not sitting there right now with a copy in their hands. But if I get my way, they will be shortly. <laughs> so Thank you. That's why I know that you crafted every word of that and wanted them to hear that. And it really is, it's a journey. 
you've been on a journey through this process um, from from divorce to sanity, shall we say, but mm -hmm. poems inside the book. Can you tell me a little bit about that journey that you lead your readers on? That's amazing. Thank you. Yeah, it's, and I wanted to um, um, congratulate you and your firm. <laughs> there are very few publishers who want to publish poetry anymore. And it is a type of a very distilled writing. And I know that you personally are somebody who not only appreciates um, poetry and appreciates it as a as a, uh, a, a communication form, but you're also, I believe, a poet yourself in addition to a professor in yeah, and is I do right? publishing poetry because I often think, and this is why I said I, I know the back of your book is so incredibly chosen. Poets need to select, I mean, every word, and you know this, you've, right. you, you and I have spoken about every word, every comma, every single thing is thought about. And with all due respect to my novelists out there who write 100,000 word novels, you did not think about every single comma the way that a poet thinks about it. And the way mm -hmm. I know, Molly, that you thought about every single thing. So it really mm -hmm. is when you when you narrow it down, your aim as a poet in general, and I know you were incredibly successful with this, is that every single inflection is a little is a little poke on your reader that it, it, they have it to really is a lot yeah. of time and just just absorb. There's there's no speed reading a book of right. poetry. No, 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 there is not. And I thank you for saying that. And I, I so appreciate the, um, the, the, the one of Mark Twain's or Samuel Clemens, as, as he's also known, one of his phrases is he's writing to a friend. He says, dear sir, I apologize for the length of this letter. Had I more time, it would have been shorter. <laughs> and what I love about that is well, it's so indicative of distilled language is much harder to arrive upon. And I love to write. I'm writing a business book now um, and I'll be writing. Um, I have a memoir begun. I also have a screenplay begun. So I really like writing. I was a I was an editor for um, uh, for a magazine for a while. My husband was a uh, does history writing and I did his work and I used to I'm a linguist. So I really love language. I love how language is formed. I love how it is communicative. I love how it's connotative. So but I had um, when I was putting all of this together, one of the things that I did was I mined journals. So it was it was during the the big um, shelter in place experience we all had. And I had all these journals that I'd been wanting to get to and figure out what to do with. So I had a big space of time where I mined them for mostly my poetry. And I wrote a lot in my iPhone, in my little notes section. And I would just like put them in and speak them in and then massage them and massage. And then over time, I ended up with 500 pages of poetry. And I thought, ooh, <laughs> that's a lot of poetry. So then I started pulling them out and organizing them. And all of a sudden I realized that I had this um, arc of, a po uh, of, a, of an experience, of a journey that really was somewhat not only semi-autobiographical, because some of it is about my own experience and some of it is me being observant of others' experiences as women mostly coming through relationship upsets or life upsets. Um, but um all of a sudden I realized that it was distilled into this, this, this journey arc that went from, and it's in five chapters, unknowing, where you're kind of clueless, unwilling, unwinding, <laughs> understanding, you kind of get to the, okay, I get it. And then unbound. And that's where you've completely pivoted away from survival mode. You've gotten current with all of the experiences. You've accepted and forgiven more than you ever thought you could and not 
not the benevolent hall pass you give someone who's egregiously offended you, you know, because you're so right and they're so wrong, but truly where you've lined up with their right to show up on the planet differently than how you might have depended upon them or wanted and how that impacts you. And you go, wait a minute, my, my being, my experience is my responsibility, be able to be responsive rather than be reactive. And so you get out of that survival mode and you can pivot into this thriving mode. And for me, what I want for a lot of women, because a lot of people call me and say, you seem to have an okay after divorce experience. You're husband and you can can go to Christmas together. I'm like, yeah, we can. <laughs> it's great. My kids don't have to run to two states. And that's not what everybody, I have a very different experience than many people. And I don't wish to say that I'm more successful than somebody else. Please do not hear that. But I do have the, the benefit of having gotten very far away from needing to hold someone else responsible for my experience. Although that's different from, I do know what it means to set boundaries. I do know what it also means not to gaslight myself. I do know what it means to say, you have the right to do and be and 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 uh, go for what you want. And I don't have to be part of that journey. I don't have to be part of that experience. Yeah. I, you could hear your ability with language uh -huh. even just from, from unwilling to unbound. Oh my gosh. That should be a movie. I'm like loving that. Oh, I'm a little afraid to ask, how long did it take you? I know myself. If I said to myself, I got two good words that start with an un, let me come up with the other five. Was that like, or did they just flow? Do things like that really flow? Yeah, things like that. For me, that, that that's that's really fun. Thank you. That's very lovely to say. It really was. Um, that kind of stuff is, you know, putting titles on things is always. I've been writing poetry since I was eight. I say that on the back of the book. I, I I've been writing poetry since I was very very young. So so playing with language is pretty fun for me. Uh, but I do like. I also do corporate training. I do sales enablement, and I'm a keynote speaker and. I design courses for major corporations like Fortune 10 financial services and professional services companies. So there's a way where I have also looked at the ability to take language and take storytelling and turn it into a learning journey that that models or 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 maybe parallels is the better uh, thing I want to say here. It parallels somebody's experience. And so the storytelling in a book can, can then match up to a learning experience. And in fact, you know this, um, once I figured out those five chapters, realized that it was an arc of transformation, realized that it had some universality to it. I went, oh, this is just like the stuff I've been training in corporations. Maybe I should try and make this more accessible to other people. Because I did do this thing, and Stephanie, and you know this, when my meltdown began, I call it my watermelon on the head moment when, you know, things got so bad that if someone said, hey, if you wore a watermelon on your head, it might help. I'd be like, where can I get a watermelon? Um, so when that got so bad, I started going out to Ojai, California, studying with Katie and Gay Hendricks at the Hendricks Institute on consciousness and mindfulness. And while I was there, I was listening to a lot of what they were saying. He's a PhD in, um, from Stanford in psychology, and she's, um, I believe she's a PhD in body-centered wisdom or, or dance therapy. So they kind of bring what I say, eat, pray, pay the mortgage. It's kind of cognitive behavioral and body-centered wisdom all together. While I was out there, I had so much fun because um, while I'm blubbering through my own transformation issues, I'm thinking, oh, I have a second hat on, like tilting to the side going, oh, that stuff they're talking about in the front of the room, that would be awesome inside some of my client companies where I can just bring it into the classroom. So once I wrote this book of poetry, it's transformation through this arc of you know disruption to my life, my my version being divorce. 
I thought, ah, let's make a course available where I teach people the kinds of things that I've learned that actually made this journey possible. And I don't understate that point. Victim, villain, hero on the drama triangle and how to get off of it. Um, responsibility instead of reactivity, how not to gaslight yourself. What is projection? What is boundary setting? I have beautiful consultants, one of whom's from Georgia, Christiane Gaspar, and she has the most beautiful Southern accent. I'll do it ba badly, except for the fact that I can't say this without the Southern accent. And she says, um, she has this phrase that really talks about personal accountability. She says, if it disturbs me, it's about me. <laughs> I think that is just so... And that is so graspable and applicable at any given moment. I'm triggered by something that's going on. I'm like, how might this be about me? And that's that's one of a hundred little things that we're packing into this course that kind of goes behind what's going on with the Sane Response book. So I sat down, had time to mine the journals, put this cute little arc over top and went, well, that serves. Got rid of the stuff. There's a second book in the works <laughs> that's already kind of crafted. And then went, how do we turn this into a course? And how can we bring some of these skills that I know literally saved my life? And how do I bring them out to women who are going through this kind of journey? And men, frankly, you know, we say women because it is kind of a female book from a female perspective, but there are plenty of men going through divorces and wanting to come into their own and um, shift from surviving to thriving. I love that. I love that. It started with you going in. And by the way, I never knew, and I thought I knew a lot, um, that this was written on on iPhone notes. I'm completely addicted. My entire life is in iPhone notes. So I didn't realize that we had that in common. Every Everything I own, I think I have, you know, a hundred and something notes open on a million different topics. You oh, name yeah. in there. So you're putting my hundred and something notes to shame <laughs> with how many you must have. Well, I <laughs> and, I, and I love that you said that because I do actually say to, um, wannabe writers, you know, all those people who, who want to write. And I, and I've said so often, write your book in notes. Don't think that you have to sit down at a computer because sometimes it's very distancing and, and computers mean work and such and notes mean something else. So I, I do thank you personally, because I feel like you're, you're, I'm like, I'm like preaching to the choir now. And I say, uh, you know, to write your book in notes. So I had no idea your book was written in notes, but it went from you looking in and then at some point there was a pivot to you realizing hey I'm, I I figured it out the keys to the kingdom here to give it away and I love that that spirit inside of you that so many people stop like okay I'm in the hole I'm finally out of the hole I'm just gonna sit here out of the hole I'm just kind of happy <laughs> I'm gonna go to Disney World whatever it is and 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 yeah and yay for that but uh, so many people are gonna benefit from you not resting on your laurels out of the hole, mm -hmm. but yeah, you went further. Well, and I, I don't wish, there's, there's a, a habit that I call gra grabbing the halo. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't wanna claim um, uh, virtu uh, virtuousness um, where it is not necessarily deserved. One of the things that I do is I, speak in front of groups. One of the things I do is I teach adults. I teach in um, in corporations. So it is a natural outgrowth of my talent set and my experience set to take what I have just done with a book and suddenly go, oh, this could also be a course. Oh, I would have so much fun speaking about this in front of groups. Oh, so, and, and, and I am, I also have 
as you will discover when in the book, because I've I dedicate so many of the poems to friends because the friends are they're the ones for me. They got these people show up for me, and I hope they believe I show up for them. But I've got gorgeous friends, and they're the ones who are always just keeping a lens on, holding holding me up, and helping me. Um, um, get through a lot of the tough stuff and I, I have helped them, but they've begun to play. They've begun to play with me in this new, new way of being. So my next book that I want coming out, not the poetry book, although that's on its way too, is um, the, my first business book. And it's called, if I tell you what I really think, can we still work together? <laughs> and that's the one where I'm taking these very practical, if it disturbs me, it's about me, past tense punishing, future tense possible. And there are all of these micro little phrases and things that you can use or way you can think about being in a conversation and map through the conflict so that you can, every relationship is gonna have tension. Every relationship is gonna have clashing. That's where innovation comes from. That's where we're learning about one another comes from. My kids often say, you know, I never have arguments with anyone the way I have with you. I'm like, I'm the Olympics of learning. Are you kidding? You're supposed to be, I'm your mom. You're supposed to be having these problems with me. And that is true of all of our most intimate relationships. They are gonna be the hardest and shy of any kind of abuse. And I do always wanna put that out there. Any kind of verbal, mental, physical abuse that you are, that is, that's, that, that is a no. The, the rest of it, there's a possibility that getting inside there, possibly removing yourself and just being in your own mind to grapple with it or with a friend off to the side to grapple with it is a really healthy and good place to be. But what, what you're not actually after, in my view and in the view of the University of Washington, they have a, uh, a marriage studies um, department, is you're not after a, an entirely Pacific relationship where there's never any difference of opinion. You're not after a relationship where you, you can't have an argument. What you're actually potentially after is the ability to engage with one another around differences of opinion in a way that, that are breakthroughs instead of breakdowns. And so some of what I'm trying to bring forward, not only in this book, not so much by intention, but by impact, I hope, and then through the coursework that, that backs it up, is this ability to teach those skills of breakthrough versus breakdown inside relationships. I like that. And and by the way, I'm already picturing the t-shirt. I'm a mom. We're supposed to fight like that. Or how you said it much better. Yeah. Olympics of learning. Yeah. It's your most intimate relationships point up. They're the most triggering. It's the place where you feel safest. So you let your guard down. You go to the places where you're not being socialized and controlled. You you're you're letting your you're letting your your real you out. And then then there's some opportunity to take responsibility or give some grace to somebody else or you know, lots, lots of different learning that comes out of that. Yeah. Fantastic. Tell me a little bit more about this course because the, the book and then this course, I, I'm hearing, wow, you know, so much, so much goodness, but put it in a nutshell for us, if you could. Thank so you. I, you know, I'd love to put it in a nutshell in a name, but I'm <laughs> really grappling with the name. And the reason is that I teach these skills inside companies. And the reason is, as I mentioned, when in 2010, when the marriage was starting to fall apart and I was like, I have to go learn a new uh, rule set on how to be on the planet. Because clearly what I was doing, and I'm in teaching corporations about leader as coach and sales skills on listening and questioning. And, and people think, oh, you're so fab fabulous at, at relationships. And I'm thinking, I'm going through a divorce. <laughs> I'm not sure... I'm not sure that's exactly the case. So, so what, what I began to do is I began to 
bring what is really consciousness and mindfulness, simple things like um, there's a certain kind of breath work that you can do. And more people know about it now than they did in 2010. But breath work you can do that actually, it's not just about calming your nervous system as you hear in yoga and so forth. It actually has a biochemical impact, a physiological impact when you breathe deeply in a certain way where you're drawing air behind your navel instead of in your upper chest where hyperventilation is in your upper chest. So if you're breathing deeply, emptying all of your capacity for breath and then refilling from the navel up, um, what you're actually doing is you're recalibrating oxygenation of your bloodstream and it metabolizes adrenaline, which means you calm down. And when you become triggered in a conflict, adrenaline enters your system and, and your blood pressure goes up, your, your breathing becomes a little more shallow, um, your eyes dilate. There are a lot of things that happen when you're in panic mode. So something as simple as knowing how to do a yoga breath that metabolizes adrenaline and calms you down so that you're limbic brain isn't in charge, but your neocortex can stay online. And that's really true. Your limbic brain will take over in a panic state and you don't think as clearly, you're in a panic state. So you're not operating in your in your best capacity and your most of choice. So now you're at the effect of something instead of in in um, in charge of your response. My, my friends out there call it responsibility, the ability to choose your response as opposed to reactivity, which is you, being at the effect of it, getting triggered and not having any choice or any control. And I'm not talking about trying to scrunch yourself down and be socially acceptable. That is not the same as being response able. Um, it's the difference of being able, having the capacity to see where, actually I love this from A Course in Miracles, to love is to perceive light. And there are moments in time when I'm in conflict in a, in a relationship anywhere, your friendship, family, business. And I sit and I think, huh, let me perceive the beauty of the person beyond the affect that she and I, or he and I are putting on at this moment. And when I can coach myself in real time to do that, I find myself a little less entrenched in needing to be as right as I thought. Now, as you well know, Stephanie, because we're learning partners simply because we work together. Um, I don't always get that right. On the other hand, I'm usually observant of when I'm not doing it as well as I'd like or optimized. And then I can pull myself back in and go, come on, like get over yourself. Let's 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 make something work out. Let's make the let's make the relationship important. And people often say to me, wow, you kind of slow meetings down sometimes because I'll I'll stop a meeting if I think the context of a meeting is really toxic or not optimized. I'll say before we go on in the content of what we want to talk about, let's just see if there's something going on here contextually. And what I find is that it smooths things out. You can get so much accomplished when everyone's pulling in the same direction, but if people are pulling in the in opposite directions, it doesn't matter. It'll take five times as long to get the thing done. I'd rather slow the meeting down, reset the context of our relationship and commitment to being productive and happy with one another and respectful of one another and all those kinds of things, and then go back in. Work goes like that. It's so much faster. It's so much faster. And it happens in families. It happens with couples. It happens all over. So anyway... All that to say, I started bringing all of that stuff. And so I was struggling with the name because when I went to corporations and I didn't want to say, well, here's mindfulness and consciousness training inside our sales training, because they'd go, you're doing what? Remember, it was 2010. Instead, I would just say to the head of human resources, 
I want you to know we have an embedded curriculum. You don't have to pay more for it, but it's these little things we're gonna be doing during the exercise times and the practice times. And I call it spinach in the cookies because we're tucking a little extra nutrition while we have them here, ostensibly doing sales training or presentation skills training or leader as coach training. But we're gonna be tucking this in to what we're doing so that your teams know how to give feedback they know how to get feedback and they know how to give it optimized for the other person. You're responsible to, not for the other person, but optimize your delivery. How to respond. So get feedback without being triggered, without being defensive, and then how to stay off the drama triangle. And so we teach this embedded curriculum. I've been calling it spinach in the cookies for 12 years, but I think if I threw it on the front of a book and put it in an airport, people would like, well, that's a cookbook. <laughs> So I don't know what I'm calling it. One, too. <laughs> Although I, I'm still loving that unwill, unwilling to unbound. That that, yeah. that belongs on a t-shirt, if not, if not a course title. That's just amazing. And and it was really fun because your your team, you have um a beautiful um we have some in the back of the book, as you know, there's uh there's some attribution to the designers who showed up and one of whom is on your team. And I just think the the way that they were able to bring their ideas forward through the book in terms of artwork a very good friend of mine is responsible for the cover art and she's a beautiful painter and, and we have her on our website because i gonna um, ask about the cover too you, you read yeah. my mind could, could you talk a little bit about this cover i'm just going to bring it up here Thanks. i would love to hear because yeah. the selection of a cover is such a personal decision could you, could you speak to that a little bit uh-huh. Yeah. This um so a friend of mine, Gretchen Kelly, um, in Hudson, New York. She's on, <clears throat> I think it's called uh, GretchenKellyArt.com. <clears throat> Excuse me. She does beautiful landscape. She does beautiful flora and fauna. She does beautiful um at, clearly nudes. And this one was one I just fell madly in love with. I bought the I bought the painting. It's rather large. And then we adapted it. And then we have several designers, including um um uh Suzanne on your team, who really helped us to shape what the cover would look like, um, how to use the, a strip that was around on the painting and kind of reconfigure it so it became a wrap for the entire book. So, and even the font selection it was so beautifully done, really, really lovely, but the painting's gorgeous. And if you go on her website and you see some of her work, it's, it's top notch, really what, is. What drew you to this painting for this book? I would love to say I was very intentional about everything around writing a book, but I wasn't trying to write this book. <clears throat> I um, I was trying to distract myself during during a, a shelter in place and started doing writing because I love writing. It's very calming for me. Next thing I knew, I had 500 pages of poetry. I was like, that's kind of interesting. And then a friend of mine, a friend of mine who happens to be a tenured um, professor at CUNY University has been teaching literature for 40 years, literature, poetry, writing, 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 et cetera. She came to visit and I showed her what I was doing. She walked away with, with it and came back in 48 hours with detailed annotations on 500 pages worth of poetry. I was like, oh my gosh. And she said, oh, I really think you need to get this in the world. I said, seriously? And the fun part of it, her name's Claire King. She's mentioned in the book. Um, the fun part is Claire is a former nun and we went to high school together. She's a former nun. She was a nun for 20 years. And what I think is super fun is now she's married to another former nun. 
so fabulous. Just made my day. <laughs> Everybody having so much fun out there, finding who they are, making choice. That's so. What I love about the contribution, the artwork, my my editor being Claire, my the artwork being Gretchen, um, you're Suzanne, and we have Danica and Martine. Everybody's expression was so um, so collaborative, so exciting. And I'm pretty good at being at having an idea in my head, but also going, you know, let's not get in the way of the expert. Why don't you figure out how you want to bring something forward? And that has been, that's served me really, really well to find extraordinary people and give them guidance on a look, a feel, something like that, but not get so attached. Let them have their artistic expression. I have never told my, the woman who cuts my hair for like 20 years, never told her how to cut my hair. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> that's that's up to you. You tell me. <laughs> well, that sounds like me when I go to get my nails done and they ask me if I want them rounded or square. I said, I don't know. You do nails. What am I supposed to have? <laughs> yeah, you do you. <laughs> exactly. You do. Well, this is great advice, uh, both for the newly divorced as well as as well as for the future author. Uh, remind us all where we can find you. Is it mollysargent.com? Um, mollysargent.com. You can also find me at my my other bit. We have two brands underneath our umbrella. The other one is called Pro Impress um, and P-R-O-I-M as in Mary, P-R-E-S-S. -S. So in, to, professional impressions what it use, is what it used to be, but we just shortened it because it's easier to say. So proimpress.com. Either one will will get you to to the book, but mollysargent.com is fine. And we opened the second one because... Um, <laughs> As I said to somebody, there is a poem in there called Thrust. I'm not quite sure that the executives at some of the financial services on Wall Street particularly want to read a book or see it in their face that says Thrust. So <clears throat> you go read that poem and tell me what you think. <laughs> you got it. You got it. Well, thank you so much for joining us. MollySargent.com, Pro Impress, if you want without the thrust. And, <laughs> and learn more. Or if you want some sales training, we can do that for you too. We're I really, really that. good. I love that. Whatever side of your life you're watching this from, Molly's got you. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you very much.